0: Last week on Sunday Extra, the founder of Tech Against Terrorism told us that one social media platform, Telegram, was the main way that Hamas distributed horrific images of its 7 October terrorist attack in Israel. The way he described it, telegrams become a major funnel for terrorist content and its practices compromise stronger approaches by others. The Telegram channel of Hamas's military wing, the Al Qassam Brigades, tripled in size between 7 and 12 October, reaching over 619,000 subscribers. That's now being banned by Telegram, though NPR reported that three other channels with links to Hamas and about a million subscribers in total are still active on Telegram for iPhone at the end of October. Today, we're taking a closer look at Telegram, and to do that, we're joined by Emerson T. Brooking. Emerson's the co-author of Like War, the weaponization of social media, which delves into a world of what they call strange new marketing wars, where terrorists and pop stars use the same tactics in the same places, and a handful of tech founders are some of the most powerful figures in all politics and war today. Emerson's also a resident senior fellow at the Atlantic Council's DFR lab for digital forensic research. Emerson, welcome to Sunday Extra. And could you start by telling us about the founder of Telegram, Pavel Durov, and how his experiences
1: inform the way the platform works? Thanks very much, Julian. It is not possible to understand the role of Telegram today without delving a bit into the background of Pavel Durov. He founded Telegram in 2013, But before that, back in 2006, he founded Vcontact, which was the Russian-language clone of Facebook, but became very popular in Russia and really across Eastern Europe. He, even in those earlier years, was uh, often butting heads with the Russian government. And over time, he was pressured, really intimidated, in ultimately selling his shares in Vcontact. And along the way, in fact, in those early years, he rejected many Russian government requests for information on particular VK users. It seems that he really came to loggerheads with the government in 2014, during the initial Russian invasion of Ukraine, when he refused to turn over information about individuals who were protesting on behalf of Ukraine in Russia. Mm, that's so, really
0: interesting. I mean, given what you've said, I'm surprised he's alive, let alone the uh, proprietor of another
1: tech platform. That's right. That, not only is he alive, but now he's uh, doing quite well. So he leaves Russia around 2014. He's already started this new platform, Telegram, and he lives in first self imposed exile, and then I think it is formal exile now. He's currently in the uh, UAE, and I think he's the, the richest man in the country. But the point is that. Telegram really emerged out of his experiences and deep hostility against government control of internet services.
0: Mm. telegrams about us page says that its messenger is one of the top five most downloaded apps in the world with over 800 million monthly active users it's based in dubai and the company says it's committed to protecting user privacy and human rights such as freedom of speech and assembly and it claims to have played a prominent role in pro-democracy movements around the world including in iran russia belarus Myanmar, and Hong Kong. What's your understanding of the use of Telegram in places like Iran,
1: Belarus, Myanmar? So Telegram is an example of a platform, the only one I can think of, which started out with fairly small uh, user adoption, but has actually been skyrocketing in recent years. And that's because it is an excellent platform for people to coordinate with some uh, sense of security, but then also to bring people into their causes. And those causes include pro-democracy coordination and mobilization. But those causes also have quite often included terrorist attacks, terrorist planning, the spread of virulent propaganda that's intended to incite violence. It is true that Telegram was a valuable asset for pro-democracy protesters in Myanmar, but it was also home to some of the uh, most vile anti-Rohingya content which absolutely fueled the Rohingya genocide in that country. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Certainly. Because anyone can start a telegram group, and you can set all sorts of different rules for these groups, and because communications are encrypted, there's a good sense of privacy. You have a mix of small private groups where people may be coordinating you know, what propaganda they want to share or even what violent attacks they want to take place. And then they're also at the same time spreading propaganda into public-facing groups and trying to recruit new people into their violent causes. And moreover, many people who coordinate in these telegram channels then take the propaganda or take the violent messaging that's being spread there and bring it into even more public-facing social media networks. So a lot of the, the anti-rohingya propaganda that one saw on Facebook back in the 2017 period was actually originating in these closed or private Telegram networks. Facebook took action after enough public pressure. Telegram did not take action.
0: On Sunday Extra, we're speaking with Emerson T. Brooking, co-author of Like War, the weaponization of social media about the app Telegram. Emerson, When an app gets to the scale like Telegram has, is it really credible to say, well, it's Telegram's fault that some minority of users are distributing this content? Or does a platform like Telegram have the same sort of obligations like telcos, telephony companies that might be hosting people having conversations from similar organizations? Yeah,
1: look, it's a great question. We've already established that Pavel Durov had every reason to be skeptical of state intervention or any pressure to, say, crack down on particular speech. But the thing is, when you're running a platform that has 800 million users, you do have some responsibility to make sure that that platform is not used toward violent or hateful ends. And even in the the small ways, telegrams really indicated that they don't care about that stuff as a, a great example. There's an organization of many technology companies, the Global Internet Forum to Counter Terrorism, which got its start uh, during the peak of ISIS-inspired terrorism in 2014 to 2015. Every major technology company, uh, not just Western companies, but TikTok as well, of scale, they're all a part of this forum. Where they share terrorist content in order to improve their own ability to identify and take it down. The one exception is Telegram. And even shortly after October 7, as different social media platforms were announcing measures that they were taking to reduce the spread of Hamas terrorist content, Pavel Durov waited a full week before he said anything meaningful on the subject. And His first message was a defense of why Hamas should remain on his service.
0: Yes, this was before the Hamas channels were taken down. So it does seem there's been some sort of change in their practice. But Durov posted that it removes millions of evidently harmful publications every day, but cited what he described as the problem of war coverage. And he said, Hamas used telegram before rocket attacks on Ashkelon to warn civilians that they must leave the area. Will shutting down this channel
1: help save lives or jeopardize them? Did he have a point there? I would say that he absolutely had a point. But there's a distinction between Hamas public distribution channel that had, you know, at this point, more than 100,000 members and much smaller groups, which people within Gaza were using to coordinate emergency services, suggesting that the two functions of the app are the same is disingenuous. Right,
0: yeah. So there's a distinction there between Hamas using telegram in the way that Durov's
1: described and the material that was posted by the al Qassam brigades on its channel. Exactly. When the October 7 attacks took place, the first public announcement of it was on the al Qassam telegram channel, a pre-prepared propaganda video first, then the first graphic imagery of the attacks and soon graphic videos. From what you're saying, it sounds like uh, Pavel Durov and Telegram are
0: still an outlier, clearly in the social media platform landscape. But as I said, they have banned the Hamas channel. Does that signal, for want of a better expression, a change to some extent in Telegram's practices?
1: I think it indicates that Telegram will still respond to sufficient public pressure. Yes, well, I was going to ask you what might be driving that change. Yeah, well, if it would be public pressure, it would be um, I think the weight of potential legal action and also the understanding that they're, I think, on the, the wrong side of certainly the wrong side of the optics on this issue. But I'll say even as we've been tracking Hamas use of Telegram, often a channel is restricted in certain geographic areas. It's not necessarily banned. So it is accessible in some parts of the world, or when you use certain tools or not others. And I guess actually just to add on why Telegram is taking the actions that it is, in addition to public pressure, uh, Google and Apple, which run the two app stores that most of the world uses, they each have also placed significant pressure on Telegram. I think they've implied that Telegram might be delisted from these app stores if some action wasn't taken. So that's another reason we see something out of Telegram now. Yeah, so a combination
0: of public and business interest pressure, as well as, I'm sure, um, lots of other pressure behind the scenes. And it was interesting that NPR's coverage of the channels that still are on Telegram specified that they're still on iPhone, suggesting that Google and its app store has taken a stronger stance.
1: That's right. And I, I just want to take the opportunity to express again that I'm deeply sympathetic to Durov as a founder. Mm. And He has a clear and consistent ideology. But the problem is, even if you look back to 2015, it was the Islamic State, which is one of the big Telegram adopters. Telegram was implicated, for instance, in the, the Bataclan attacks on the Paris nightclub in 2015. Telegram has been associated with terrorist use from the beginning.
0: That's really interesting. One of the reasons I think that Telegram experienced such explosive growth was because it was new and emergent at the time when some of these things were happening compared to the likes of Google and and Facebook. Are there other players emerging that might, if Telegram becomes a little bit closer to the fold and mainstream practice, other platforms that loom as big challenges and potential useful platforms for terrorists to distribute content on?
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. When we think about the ecosystem of these apps, in times of great public pressure, maybe when Telegram is more responsive to this pressure, it just creates a market opportunity for new smaller apps with looser content moderation policies to scoop up users. And then as public attention turns away again, I suspect that many groups that adopt some of these new apps would turn back to telegram
0: it really is a, a complicated area um and the focus of the world i suppose at the moment is on what's happening in gaza emerson earlier this week you tweeted that the lack of images and video coming out of gaza at the moment is deeply disconcerting and you drew a parallel between what's happening there and the information blackout that happened in Mariupol in Ukraine. Could you elaborate on that comparison between Gaza and Mariupol in terms of the blackout of information?
1: Yes, absolutely. In the Russian siege of Mariupol, which took, I think, the better part of two months, Russian forces first encircled the city. They cut access to basic services. But they also ensured that there was no internet access. That was through the destruction of physical internet infrastructure, but then also jamming to make sure that no connection would go through. And in fact, we saw this illustrated because the Associated Press, who were able to continue some of the only on-the-ground reporting in that conflict, is I think about 100,000 people were under siege. In order to get an image or a video out, they had to put it on an SD card and drive through Russian military cordons sometimes being hunted by the Russian military that didn't want the word to get out. So that sort of information blockade, even though we we don't always think it, that sort of information blockade is absolutely still possible in the internet age. And it seems to be the strategy that the Israeli defense forces are adopting as they encircle parts of Gaza, where hundreds of thousands of people remain trapped. Does that tactic of information blackout get harder
0: or more leaky as you scale up? I think you mentioned, was it 100,000 people in Mariupol? Whereas in Gaza, it's closer, well, it's above 2 million.
1: It is above 2 million. I suspect that the IDF will focus first on North Gaza, where there have been some evacuations, but as many as 300,000 total people remain. In my understanding and study, this information blockade the difficulty is more a function of geographic territory than it is the number of people on the ground. How many places that you could hide wireless receivers, the amount of territory that has to be, you know, jammed to keep signals from going out? It was not possible, although Russia tried to sever uh, Ukraine's Internet connection. Ukraine is simply too big. There were too many ways that, say, starlink devices could get through. But Gaza absolutely can be encircled and strangled, it is quite possible even in 2023 to imagine that if the IDF wants, they could essentially stop primary witness evidence, uh, primary imagery and video from getting out of that conflict area. Unless I suppose it's put on what now
0: is old-fashioned technology, things like SD cards. Emerson T. Brooking, thank you so much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra. Thanks for having me. Emerson is the co-author of Like War, the Weaponization of social media and resident senior fellow at the DFR lab of the Atlantic Council. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.